There are many ways people listen to Vision, including in cars through the Vision app. The Vision app is compatible with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. So if you have mobile coverage, you can stream any of Vision's live radio channels in crystal clear quality and enjoy a growing range of on-demand podcasts all on the go. There are other ways to connect your phone to your vehicle speakers too. You can see detailed instructions when you Google ways to listen to Vision. However and wherever you listen to Vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. We're going to be talking about investing in chaotic times. When financially chaotic times come, like we're experiencing now, fortunes can be lost and fortunes can be made. Well, we cover a lot of different dimensions on 2020 and today, getting to grips with the financial upheavals that could either sink us or empower us personally. Now, you may be wondering about biblical wisdom for chaotic times around issues like investing in the stock market or in the property market or in superannuation. You may be wondering what happens when there's a massive wealth transition that can happen after a global pandemic. Well, one thing is certain. Financial life won't be back to normal anytime soon for most of us, given the shocks and the upheavals on the global economies. For many of us, the new reality could be unemployment. For others, it's about wisdom for the stewardship of our God-given wealth. Alex Cook is founder of Wealth With Purpose. He's our special guest through this coming hour. He's across some of the logistics of just how hard we all may be hit and what to do to safeguard personal finances and, at the same time, even increase your wealth and empower the good work of your local church. Alex Cook, let me say a special welcome along to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Great to be back. Alex, uh, in the introduction there, I've obviously mentioned that we're going to talk about more personal ideas of finances today and how that might work uh, not only personally but family, in our business, in our local church. Uh, a lot of people, of course, focusing in the mainstream media on the big issues right now and, and the global economic issues. They affect what happens locally, but we're going to focus on those local things. Have you got a perspective as we get things underway on, on how things are unfolding globally? Yeah, well, look, it's certainly a massive I mean, look, it's probably, I mean, you can break it up into two issues. Obviously, there's the health issues, but then there's the financial ones. I'm, I've got no expertise in any of the, the medical and health side of it. Um, but economically, the, I guess the, the, the economic tragedy is that many economies are really shutting down. So I think, I'm not sure, but I think it's close to 70 countries are in some form of lockdown. In Argentina, funny enough, where I lived, as you might remember, for about five years, yeah. they've actually got martial law, so you're not even allowed out of your house. It's military out on the street. Um, so what that does, though, from an economic perspective is, obviously, businesses closed, no one's earning any money, um, or very few people are, uh, and it's enormously disruptive. Um, in, in Australia, it's hard to know exactly because we haven't had the figures come out, but it's estimated, you know, nearly a million people have been put out of work or had their casual hours removed, that kind of thing. 
Uh, in America last year, uh, in the last two weeks, they've had their highest number of uh, people requesting uh, unemployment benefits uh, in history. I mean, they've had six million in two weeks. So it's enormously uh, disruptive, obviously, on people's lives. Um, but also, I think, I know it sounds very negative and people get very concerned by it, but there will also be enormous opportunities in this, I think, in so many ways. One is for the church itself. Uh, and then, of course, for for people to, uh, you know, reflect on their lives and think about future opportunities as well. So it's easy to, I think, it's, it's easy but dangerous to let fear take a hold and be fearful of all these things that are going on, even though they are very real and very, you know, they touch people's lives in very significant ways. Concerned right at the start of our conversation, Alex, that while we're talking about how these things affect us personally and uh, the idea that there could be opportunities uh, in financial markets or in ways to gain wealth, uh, that we're not missing a really, really strong point that we might understand from a biblical perspective and our capacity to care for the poor and keeping a focus in that sense uh, on those who might be suffering, those perhaps at the uh, lower socioeconomic end of the spectrum, uh, there is a certain sense of concern that we all have as Christian believers when it comes to that. Uh, so we're going to be talking about two different dimensions here today. It's going to be like, uh, you know, whether you batten down the hatches and care uh, or whether there, if there are opportunities to seize them. So uh, what are your thoughts for uh, for not losing sight of the compassionate uh, empathy that we need to have as Christian believers? Well, to be honest, I can't think of a better time in the last in the last few decades that we've had now to really step out in faith and help people in need. And look, the needs could be great uh, in, and in different ways, but I think it's the three things that God gives us to steward. He gives us the ability to steward our time, our talents, and our treasure. They're the three big things. Um, and if you think about stewarding our time at the moment, more, most of us now have more time than we've had in the past. So why not, you know, get on the phone and ring people and just say, hey, how are you doing? How, how are you affected by this? How can I help you? You know, whether that's calling, you know, someone who's at home lonely, you know, whether, you know, someone who's gone through a divorce or an, an older person who's home alone. There are so many ways we can just reach out with our time and just show that we care for people uh, and we want to meet their needs. But then there could be... Um, you know, financial and physical things, you know, going up. <laughs> We've all seen the, the the toilet paper craze. Why not go, if you know someone has run out, go and buy some for them and bring it to their house. You know, there's all sorts of things like that. But I also think when it comes to uh, Christian giving particularly, um, many uh, churches and not-for-profits that really reach out and serve the community, so whether it's serving meals or helping the poor in other countries, uh, firstly, don't decrease your giving. If anything, try and increase your giving. If you're not affected by this, if your job hasn't, if your, if your job's not at risk, uh, and you, you know, you, you haven't suffered any setback at all, then this is a chance to actually shine. This is a chance. Uh, if there's ever, I don't think I've ever seen a better time for us as Christians to rise up and really shine and show how much we care for other people and show them the love of God uh, in a really tangible form. Um, so, yeah, it's, I think it's a, an exciting time and a massive opportunity that the church shouldn't let pass it by. We're all familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan and the fact that the Good Samaritan had a few dollars 
to be able to help the man who was left for dead on the road. Uh, if you neglect the idea of earning, of wealth increase, then you won't have the capacity to be able to do that. So uh, there is a, you know, I think it's a former American president who said uh, you can walk and chew gum at the same time. So while you're actually attending to some of the needs that you might find immediately around you in your community, uh, this idea of looking for opportunities, uh, not a bad one, because uh, there's some that might feel a bit guilty about that idea. What are your thoughts here uh, about feeling guilty about seeing an opportunity and seizing that in a time like this? Yeah, look, I don't think um, anyone should feel guilty. I mean, I understand the logic. We don't want to profit from other people's misery. So that, that I can completely understand where people are coming from there. Um, but also, I, I tend to look at it and say to myself, you know, what do I feel God is showing me in this season? What is uh, What are some of the things that as Christians we should be trying to learn from this? Uh, and, you know, what are the new opportunities? Maybe you're a, a Christian business person, for example, and all of a sudden your business has been affected by what's going on. But that's an opportunity to reflect and say, well, okay, are there new markets here? Are there new opportunities? How can we change the services that we offer to people to actually meet new needs that are going on out in the community? And then, of course, there's the investment side of it, and that is that when things like this happen, and as people are probably aware, the stock market's down you know, 30% from its highs, when things like this happen, what typically uh, we find is that many good quality investments become what we call oversold. They become good value again. And the same applies to uh, to other assets, not just the share market. But now can be, I'm not suggesting today is a good time to buy, by the way, just an important disclaimer, but yep. there are there are going to be times where opportunities will arise to buy good quality assets that Christians can invest in for, for the long term. Um, so it's about keeping your eyes and ears open and being sensitive to the way God is uh, uh, leading you in terms of how you handle your money. I think um, because of what's happening, you know, many people have watched their superannuation balances fall significantly. It's a great time to reflect on your finances in general, to actually look at them. Look, how am I spending my money? Is the way I'm spending my money wise? Is the way I'm investing my money wise? You know, am I doing it according to biblical principles or am I just speculating? You know, Christians shouldn't gamble, for example, but a lot of Christians take silly risks with their money. So it's a real opportunity to sit back and reflect and say, are my finances really aligned here with God's Word? And if they're not, what can I be doing differently? Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's... I think, as I say, I look at it all through the prison. This is an opportunity for for Christians to sort of reflect uh, and get their finances in order, um, particularly also in light of the fact that there is a risk that things get uh, get worse economically. I think that's a very genuine risk. Uh, and in fact, one of my favourite quotes in the Bible um, from Proverbs is that it says, a sensible man watches for problems ahead and prepares to meet them. The simpleton never looks and suffers the consequences. So as believers, when we see what's going on in the world, as I say, there'll be opportunity, but there's also risks that there are going to be problems ahead. So in that case, we should be sensitive to those and say, what are the, what are the things that we might need to do to prepare to meet those challenges that are ahead? And well, churches should be doing that. You know, I'm talking to churches at the moment about setting up job seeker programs so that, that way, if they have members in their church um, that lose their jobs, how can they help those people get back into work 
or maybe rotate into their own business or all sorts of, you know, there's lots of weird and wonderful things people can be thinking about. But they need to, you know, churches need to be really proactive in this area and help help people, help their members and help their community. A huge so number of micro opportunities like that that can happen within the uh, local church setting in communities all over the nation. And, uh, you know, perhaps a lot of those won't get the recognition they deserve, but uh, lots of great opportunities will be created by churches where the leadership in those churches is proactive. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. Alex Cook, the founder of Wealth With Purpose, is our guest this hour. Our talkback line is open, 1-800-316-316. Alex, before we move on, why don't we take a call? Let's hear from Erica on the Gold Coast, in the hinterland of the Gold Coast. Hello, Erica. Welcome along. Good morning. Thank you. I wish to start and finish with Psalm 37.25. I have been young and now am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Um, I've been married nearly 45 years. At times my husband was a minister in the church full time. And the less income we had, the more the blessings came in. At times, uh, for years, we didn't have to buy any clothes or shoes or underwear for our four children, nor for us. Um, food was coming in, and our total income when James was a minister was less than had I been a single mum with four children, plus rent allowance. And we just prayed together, trusted the Lord, and he never forsook his servants, his children. So Psalm thirty-seven twenty-five. To encourage all those who might um, take their eyes off the Lord because the Lord does things that are just not even logical for us. We could not in our feeble minds imagine. Erica, wonderful testimony. Thank you so much for calling in and sharing that. Uh, Alex, I wonder if you've got a thought or two uh, for Erica and her encouragement to people. You know, we need to be putting faith and trust in God and to see his provision when there are times of significant need. Oh, look, I loved, loved it and love what she just said that particular passage. I think this is a an amazing time for Christians to reflect on God's character and the fact that he is our provider. You know, the Bible says he's Jehovah Jireh, he's our provider. Um, and we will see all sorts of supernatural provision, I believe, for those that are in Christ um, and those that draw on him and trust in him. So I do think in, for some of us, you know, it, well, this, the Bible tells us that God tests us and he will test our faith through this. And it will be that test of knowing, do we really trust him? And do we trust him as our provider? Um, but you'll see all sorts of supernatural things. Just one that's literally two months old, just for my own family. Because when we moved back to Australia, we decided we'd rent for a while because we thought Australian house prices were so ridiculous, so we thought we'd rent. Anyway, in January this year, we were renting a house that we felt was too expensive relative to what it was worth and more than what we really wanted to pay. So we thought, oh, we'll look for another house to rent. And so, sure enough, we ended up, just by God's grace, finding a house that was eight eight houses down from where we were. 
um, because it was so much cheaper and so much better valued, there was a flood of people looking for it. Um, and uh, anyway, it turns out that the agent is a Christian who just happened to hear me speak in the past, and and the reference on my the, on our application just happened to be a friend of mine who happened to go to his church, so he knew this guy. Uh, well, the long and short of it is we ended up getting the house, and our rent fell thirty percent just before this, or literally all before this happened. So that to me was very clearly God providing for us supernaturally. This, yeah, so that's just a minor one, but I, honestly, I've heard so many stories over the years of God's supernatural provision, but it does require that that faith step of believing that God is actually, we're not alone, He is going to provide for us and meet our needs. Because um, it's amazing what God can do. Well, thank you so much to Erica for calling in and sharing your thoughts. Uh, interesting when you begin to uh, share those things, Alex, because sometimes we feel like unless we're on our knees asking for specific provision, which often we're led to do because we know we've got specific needs, are there some things about what happens internally within us uh, when it comes to putting our faith, our trust, and setting our life on a particular course that without even asking, we'll be able to see the provision of God. Because uh, sometimes, as you say, you can't actually, uh, you can't ask for that particular provision in that particular area, but when it opens up, you recognize it's the hand of God. Oh, absolutely. And sometimes it's only in hindsight. Like at the time with us, with the with the renting thing, we weren't looking particularly hard or anything like that. Um, but when we reflect on the fact that it happened literally just before this whole pandemic took place, it's... Um, it's amazing how God met that need. So, you know, God is outside of time, so he, can, he sees ahead. So he can provide things that only we work out in hindsight that that was God preparing us for something. Uh, and that applies very much to our provision as well. So, okay. I, I mean, I actually think this is what... It's these sort of challenging times that really bless your faith in the sense that it actually shows you the real goodness of God and God you know, how he interacts in human affairs much more than we realise. Um, so, look, I think it's an exciting time to be alive, personally. <laughs> well, uh, listeners can call in our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. You might have a question, you might have a scenario that you'd like to run by Alex Cook, the founder of Wealth With Purpose. Uh, we're going to get into what the Bible says about investing and I wonder whether, just before we move into more specifically talking about some particular areas here, Alex, uh, if I just go with the Facebook question that I'm asking people to uh, vote on. Uh, there's a question that says, in times of financial chaos, do you shelter from the storm or seize opportunities? And I want to give you a real-time update, what listeners are feeling right now. 65% are saying shelter in the time of the storm, uh, only 35% saying seize opportunities. I wonder whether you've got any uh, perception on uh, on where listeners are, are coming from here. Yes, look, it's a fabulous question. Um, and in one sense, a, 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 sort of a link question people often ask me is, should I buy now or should I sell? Like, that's a common sort of related thing because it's kind of built around this idea about do we know the future? And, and the Bible actually says... Um, you know, very clearly. So I love Ecclesiastes 8. It says, since no one knows the future, who can tell someone else what is to come, right? So in other words, I don't know the future. 
uh, and therefore I can't tell people what which course of action would be the best. But the way I would actually answer that particular Facebook post is it's actually potentially a bit of both. Um, the nervousness I have about the bunker down mentality is what it often does is it closes it closes us down to opportunity in the sense that you're trying to protect what you've got uh, as opposed to... And so when people have that view of protecting what they've got, they're less likely to be generous. Um, and you see this in churches. So, for example, during the GFC, churches that gave a message of, hey, this is time to bunker down, those churches are the ones that had major setbacks, whereas those churches that said, hey, no, actually this is a time where we step out in faith and live generously and help people in need, they're the churches that thrived and came out really successfully on the other side. But the, the Facebook post that's being asked is probably more around investing, should you bunker down or should you have opportunity? So my view is actually the answer is properly a bit of both. You need to protect your capital as a good steward of what God has given you. You need to protect it, right? You need to be sensible with it. You shouldn't gamble with what God has given you. So in that sense, um, you do need to protect and as a financial planner, my first instinct is how do I protect my client's capital? But then the flip side of that is saying, okay, well, that's all well and good that we've protected it, but now what are the opportunities that sit before us? What's the opportunity to to invest in things that are high quality? And what are the opportunities uh, that we can use uh, with the wealth that God gives us to do good? Because ultimately, like the, the you know you mentioned the Good Samaritan. Uh, the purpose of money ultimately is for doing good. That's why God gives us it, to give not just to meet our needs, but to do good with it. So that's why you could have a balance between you know, bunkering and protecting as well as opportunity, opportunity mentality as well. So the answer, I think, is probably a bit of both. Interestingly, on both sides, you can have this idea of uh, hoarding. If you are sheltering, as you say, you're more likely to hoard. Uh, and be less generous. But you may, on the other side, the person who's gung-ho seizing opportunities may actually be driven by another issue here of greed. So you've got, you've got actually downsides, both sides. You've got to be able to watch your heart in all of that, haven't you? Absolutely. No, and I think it's, it's funny you should say it because money is the ultimate heart issue. A lot of Christians don't realise that the most talked about issue in the Bible is in fact money. And I think that the reason for it is not because God was wanting to give us a whole heap of financial tips, so to speak, but more because he knew that money is the ultimate heart issue and it's what take, can often take us away from God. In fact, I love you know Deuteronomy 8, verse 18 says, Remember the Lord, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And when I look at a nation like Australia, which has been very prosperous for the last, you know, since World War II, been an enormously prosperous nation. I think that prosperity has meant that we've forgotten the Lord. Um, and that's the danger that money can present. The Bible never paints money as, um, you know, a good thing or an evil thing. It's, it's, it's neutral in that sense. But where it becomes become very problematic is when we fall in love with it because money is such a heart issue. And when you fall in love with money, that's when you're going to make unwise you know, decisions with her. Um, yeah, so it's, it's the ultimate heart issue. Let's come down to uh, perhaps uh, briefly, too, it's only a minute, just over a minute out from news, but uh, the Bible's wisdom on investing, and uh, not giving us a lot of time here, but just to uh, whet our appetites for after the news, a uh, quick uh, uh, thought on Bible and investing. 
Yeah, well, look, let me just give you one scripture to, say, I guess, kick off this, this sort of portion of the discussion. Um, there's a great scripture in Ecclesiastes 11. So it says, Invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. Now, there's two obvious things from that, but in terms of disaster, it's probably fair to say that this global pandemic is very much a disaster. Um, but this passage says, invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. So if you talk to any financial planner, one of the key principles that they will share with you is exactly that Bible purse passage, and that is diversify your money. It's very important that we diversify. In other words, you've probably heard the cliche, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket, which is very relevant in times like this because what people typically do is they fall in love with a particular investment, whether it's a property or a share that's done really well, and they fall in love with it. Alex, we'll continue this uh, focus on this topic and after Vision National News. Alex, let's come back to what we started talking about just before the news. You quoted to us a Old Testament scripture from Ecclesiastes chapter 11. It was verse 2, which says, Invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. Let's come back to that because we had to cut you short because of news. Uh, let's uh, unpack that a little more because for a lot of people thinking, you know, well, investing, isn't that what a lot of other people do? But here am I trying to serve God with my whole heart. Investing isn't something that's been a part of my uh, my reality. Let's come back to that and talk about Christians and in investments. Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, so what the Bible, I think, is telling us in this area is, is the need to diversify uh, our, our money. So the, the reality is we live in a fallen world, and as Christians we acknowledge that, that, you know, that the world is not as we'd like it to be. Uh, and therefore things happen. Now, whether it's recessions, depressions, pandemics, there's all sorts of things that have happened historically and may happen again in the future. You know, so the Bible warns us that things um, can happen. In fact, when you look at the end time scriptures and things like that, it's very clear that all sorts of things can happen in a society that we would deem to be quite unpleasant. So the Bible's message is very simple. It's basically saying, diversify your money. Now, the question is, how do you really achieve that? So what I would encourage people to think of, think of, yeah, let's use superannuation as an example. You can diversify your money in a few different ways. One is you can diversify across what we call the different asset classes. So what do I mean by asset class? Well, things like cash, bonds, shares, property, uh, and there's all sorts of alternative things such as, you know, gold and all sorts of things that people think about. But the important point is that you don't have all your eggs in the one basket. In other words, you have them in different things. And then you can break it down even further, and that is you diversify within those asset classes. So, for example, if we took cash, don't put all your money just in the one bank, just in case that bank got into trouble. Likewise with shares, don't have all your money in just one share. Have it across different shares. Um, and so the, the principle applies quite widely. Diversify across the different assets and then diversify within. And, of course, you could apply that geographically. Don't have all your money in the one country sort of thing. Um, and you know, people buy international shares and sort of stuff like that all the time. In fact, virtually all of us would have some sort of international shares in our super fund. So the key issue here is diversify. And what we're trying to ultimately do here is protect the capital that God has blessed us with. You know, we want to be good stewards of what God has given us, and so we need to diversify. 
and minimise the risks that we're taking with what God has blessed us with. When we're talking about diversifying and even looking for opportunities, I mean, there are going to be some companies uh, that have stock and you can buy those. And three weeks ago on some companies, that stock was at a high price. Today it's at a low price. What are your thoughts on the way you might research uh, what sort of stock you might invest in if you're investing in the share market? Uh, just to take w- one example out of the, se- the things you're talking about here. Yes, yeah, so look, what we say to people, particularly when it comes to share market investing, is to, to try and invest in things that are what I call essential services. So things like that we're all going to need rain, hail or shine. So just because the recession hits means doesn't mean we all stop going to the supermarket, right? So investing in things that are, you know, companies that sell groceries is a thing that provides consistent earnings. So with the share market, ultimately the values of the shares is based on the company profits, etc. Now, during a time like what we're in now, most companies that are selling, you know, supermarket groceries, their earnings, they're not decreasing at all. Whereas, say, something that is very discretionary, like um, buying a TV, for example, those sort of things are much more volatile because they're, they're not essential. You can avoid them. Likewise, things like electricity and gas, these things that people still need to keep the lights on and the stoves burning. So the starting point, I think, should be buying high-quality things that are going to last the test of time uh, and that are usually essential services. Because if you focus on that as your starting point, uh, you're less likely to lose money. That doesn't mean they won't go up and down in value, but they're much more likely to endure. They're, they're going to last time. Whereas if you invest in things that are much more speculative or where the earnings are a lot more cyclical, you might find that those share prices are far more volatile and, and therefore more risky. But you, the key issue is buy quality, buy it when it's good value, and um, buy things that are essential that we all, you know, that we all need for society to function. Alex, we'll often talk about having a long-term outlook when you're investing in shares. Uh, is this a different time that we're in, where in fact there may be opportunities uh, that uh, that present themselves uh, because we know that that the, the light is at the end of the tunnel, that we're told six months, it could go on longer, but, uh, but there might be a significant bounce back. Uh, buying shares at a low price right now, is that something you would consider or would you con- continue to hold that principle of having a long-term idea? Yeah, so look, with the, the rule of thumb with things like shares is that you should have a minimum of a seven-year time frame. So when it comes to investing in general, what we say to people is what is the time frame for when you need this money back? So for example, a 25-year-old who, who can't touch their superannuation until they're 60, they may as well take, if you like, more share market risk because they've got such a long time before they can ever touch it. Whereas if I was, say, 65 or 70 and I need that money to live on, I might not take nearly as much risk as what someone younger would do. So your time frame is a critical driver in what investments you choose uh, and the the time frame that you have to invest. Um, For example, if a a 25-year-old came to me and said, Alex, I want to buy a house in two years' time, well, my general suggestion would be, well, you keep that money in low risk in cash 
simply because that in two years' time, the share market could be down because it's not a long enough period of time to make your money. So, for example, anyone who bought uh, shares you know, two months ago when they're at all-time highs and they're hoping to get their money back in two years' time might be disappointed because their shares are now down 30% and it may take quite some time before it recovers. So your time frame, where people should, before they put any money into really any investment, they should consider when do they need that money back? What's their time frame to investing? Uh, because that will have a, a big effect on their decision-making and how much they allocate to the more riskier type assets like shares and property. <clears throat> Okay, just come back to our Facebook post for a moment. In times of financial chaos, do you shelter from the storm or seize opportunities? I can give you the update. 62% are saying shelter. 38% are saying seize the opportunity. Some comments that are coming through there. Uh, one from James who says, when a boat is in a storm, you can't take it out of the storm. So... You, sorry, uh, so here we go. So you sail accordingly. So you can't take the boat out of the storm, so you sail accordingly. That's uh, an interesting little wise comment yeah. in there. What are your thoughts around uh, what James is sharing? Yeah, no, look, it's, no, it's an interesting perspective. <clears throat> and look, I think that's when, it, when it's investing, you don't just rip all your money out and sell everything and just take, take your money out and go, go home, so to speak. Um, but yeah, you do have to sail through it. But what it means is you may, may need to make adjustments along the way. So, for example, one of the uh, the issues at the moment is, you know, for, particularly for older Australians where they're thinking about retirement and they're trying to plan that, is they may need to ask themselves the question, based on what's happened in the world today, is the level of risk that I'm taking with my money, is that still appropriate given the, the current environment? Is that something I need to be adjusting to, to allow for the fact that things may or may not improve in the short term. So the the storm, if you like, if anything, should be a pause for reflection. I mean, the only danger that I see when storms hit is that people can get too fearful. Uh, and when you're fearful, you won't make good decisions. That's, to me, what, what, what where storms can be damaging. But during the storm, it may be just a, an opportunity, if you like, to using the analogy of that person on Facebook is that you just want to correct your course, so to speak. It's a chance to reflect and say, OK, well, maybe I wasn't going quite the right direction there. Maybe I need to correct the course. Maybe I need to take less risk than I was. Maybe I shouldn't be borrowing all that money to invest that I thought I was going to do. Um, to me, the storm, if anything, at the moment should be causing a, an opportunity to pause and ask yourself, am I managing my money in a way that is aligned with Scripture? Am I managing the money the, way, money the way I think God wants me to? That should be the question that people should be asking and asking in prayer and asking for God to lead them to make sure they make sensible decisions. Another Facebook question from Suzanne who says, am praying for guidance. Uh, finding this very difficult, however, as I do want to do what the Lord wants me to do, do I take my savings out of the bank and store it safely at home or leave it in the bank? There certainly are risks, I believe, leaving it in the bank. Alex, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, look, there's probably two. There's probably a couple of questions in there. One was around... Um, you know, what do you do now uh, and wanting to be spirit-led, so wanting to rely on the guidance of the Holy Spirit, um, which I think is absolutely critical. 
To add to that, I love the passage in Proverbs 15, and what it says is, without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counsellors, they succeed. So I think now's a really appropriate time for people to be seeking advice, particularly from licensed advisors, but also just seeking the counsel of people who have been through storms before. So getting wise input into your life, uh, and I think that should be from multiple, which is what the scripture tends to suggest. You know, it says counsellors, not counsellor. Um, and that way you're much more likely to make wise decisions. Um, otherwise, that you run the risk of going off in a direction that's, you know, being driven by a fear or something like that. Um, the other issue around banks, etc. Um, in Australia, um, we have a, a great thing called the Government Guarantee, on bank deposits up to $250,000. So so long as you don't have more than $250,000 in any one bank, that money should be covered by the government guarantee. Now, all that really depends on, I don't really like the concept of guarantees per se, but all that matters ultimately is the solvency of the Australian government. And the Australian government, compared to the vast majority of the world, is by far one of the strongest governments on the planet. So I don't think people need to be particularly concerned about having their money in the bank, although I do think it's wise to diversify it across multiple banks rather than having it all in the one, so to speak. I think that would be sensible. Okay. Alex, you cancelled your annual flagship event, the Stewardship Summits, and they were designed to help church leaders build churches that are financially healthy. Obviously, if you can't draw a crowd, you've had to cancel those summits. And uh, in some sense, a uh, wonderful opportunity we have on the radio to be able to talk about some of these sorts of things. Can we give a little bit of attention for a few moments to uh, to the local church? Uh, some yeah, churches, sure. ch- some churches, no doubt, uh, will be flourishing because people give online and uh, lots of people are not affected at all. They've still got their job. They've still got an income coming in. Uh, there are going to be those others at the other end who are facing unemployment, those sorts of challenges. Some churches might be hurting right now. Uh, what are your thoughts for uh, for the stewardship that we have, looking at our own personal finances, but in relation to not only helping the poor, but also our local church? What are your thoughts here? Yeah, absolutely. Well, by the way, just with our stewardship summit, so we have gone ahead, but it's fully online now. So those pastors that may be listening to this, there's actually still an opportunity to jump on and be part of all the workshops. Uh, And they're also all recorded as well. So um, even if you miss some of the earlier ones, you'll still have access to all of the recordings. So there's still an opportunity for people to be part of it. Um, But look, you you raise a really good point. How is this affecting churches? So the churches that are very cash-dependent obviously have been hit very hard because... Um, we're no longer meeting. We know it's illegal now to meet with groups of more than a certain number, and therefore most churches, or all churches, can can no longer meet. Um, so churches with high cash offerings are the ones that are being hit the hardest. Those with electronic giving, um, as you say, are generally unaffected. Um, most churches have a mix of both, so they are all affected to some degree. What we're finding, though, is that it's a massive opportunity for churches to transition their members across to online giving because that's the future anyway you know we're moving to a cashless society so it's a massive opportunity so this is a great you know should be a motivator to get churches to do that the other thing i'd want to encourage people is to not stop their giving you know what's going on in the world at the moment it will pass uh, and the church may look a bit different on the other side who knows it's exactly 
you know, I'm not trying to be presumptuous to what God is going to do through this time, but the church may look a bit different. But now is the time to potentially increase your giving, particularly if you have a job and so forth, because the church now has a fantastic opportunity to meet needs in our local community. Now, many churches do that already, but now is a chance to, hey, say, look, if I can increase my giving, think of all the extra things our church will be able to do to help people that are in need, whether it's, you know, providing food, providing shelter, all, all the sorts of things that churches can do, um, providing, uh, I mean, look, there's probably umpteen ways people can can help. But the, the reality is that now is a time for churches and, and Christians that are still employed to actually step up their giving and use it as an opportunity uh, not only to help their local church where, um, you know, there's needs, there's wages to be paid, there's all those kind of things, but also to help the church fulfill its calling, which is to meet needs in society. So, Okay, so the Stewardship Summit is going to be online, and so people can still register for that now, and it's primarily for people who are in uh, leadership responsibility in church, people who are looking after the finances in church life. Is that the, the sort of people who are likely to be registering for your Stewardship Summit? Exactly. So, look, anyone who's involved basically in church leadership, so typically whether it's the pastor and, and the associate pastors, uh, the treasurers, business managers, uh, the elders, uh, those on church boards, anyone who has that sort of financial interest in a church can jump online to uh, stewardshipsummit.global is the website uh, and, and register. You'll be sent then all the links for the um, you know to, to join onto all the sessions. And some of them are open forums, and we've we've because we moved online, we wanted to have the ability for church leaders to get together and discuss their issues. So we want them to be able to say, hey, look, this is a problem we're experiencing. What do you think we should do? And that way everyone can share the different challenges because at the end of the day, there's a lot of common themes that are coming through. So one of the common themes, for example, is how do I build a community now, particularly given that we're no longer meeting in a building? So how do we really build that community? So things like that we can address. Of course, all the the financial-related issues, giving issues, budgeting issues, um, yes, yeah, so anyone who has a financial interest in their local church should jump on and be part of it. Uh, and there's also many live webinars as well on various topics, whether it's church debt. Uh, we're still talking about other topics like missions. In fact, uh, on Wednesday, we've got one uh, of a church where 50% of their budget goes to missions, which is fantastic. Wow. So there's all sorts of exciting things where church leaders get really motivated by what you can do, um, not only in tough times like today, but also thinking forward uh, about exciting times into the future as well. Now, the website to be able to register is kingdominvest.global. Kingdominvest.global. And That's of course. Event. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> Sorry. Yes, yeah, so okay. we've got two. We've got two. All right, okay. There's, there's plenty of events. Let me, well, let's point people to yeah. uh, your uh, ordinary website. Uh, which is not ordinary at all, but wealthwithpurpose.com. And no doubt there'll be links there to the events that you've got coming up. And, you know, honour to you, Alex Cook, uh, for being so uh, prominent with getting these sorts of things going When at a time when there is crisis and there is chaos, uh, to be able to bring some sense into the circumstance. Uh, running out of time now, can we just spend a moment uh, talking about the attitude of the Christian believer 
when we are in chaotic times because, uh, you know, uh, not a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind, uh, all those sorts of things, uh, even the, the call from uh, Old Testament, I think it's Habakkuk, about uh, even embracing these sorts of tough times with a joyfulness. Uh, there's an attitude that we have as Christian believers. I wonder whether you've got a moment just to reflect on that, how we approach these things as we're taking a stewardship approach to how we might invest. Yeah, look, absolutely. I mean, as you say, uh, in times like this, people become fearful. They, they they think of the future as uncertain and so forth. But I think now is a time to just focus on your relationship with God and draw near to Him and really just focus on the fact that we as Christians have the most remarkable uh, <laughs> have the most remarkable thing, and that is we have a. As, as a Christian, you have access to the King of Kings. You have the ability to have a personal relationship with the God of the universe. And I think what gets people through challenging times is when they truly know God. For, for, for many people, their faith is a little too intellectual, and there's, there's good aspects to that, but their faith is too intellectual. In other words, they, they know about God, that they don't necessarily know him in a personal sense. So what I, when I think of this chaotic time that we're in, and but now we're, we've got to spend more time at home, you know, we can't go out as easily, I can't think of a better opportunity than focusing more of your time, not only on your family, which is important, but also focusing on God and getting to know him in a really personal way, getting him to speak to you through his word, spending time with him in prayer and asking for his guidance and his assistance. Because God desires, I think as Christians, particularly in Western world, we spend most of our time doing, but this is an opportune time just to be being, and that is being with God, being a believer who is known and loved by God and just spending that time with him. And you've got all the time in the world now, now that we're at home. You know, I... I look at the silver linings for this. You know, governments are saying, hey, you can't go anywhere. Well, God's saying, come and spend it with me instead. So it's a <laughs> great it, thought. It should be a great time. Yeah, real encouragement. And I'll point people to uh, the website wealthwithpurpose.com and you'll be able to see a number of initiatives there and there'll be links to those of how you can get a better grip with your own financial situation and what it is to be a steward of the wealth that God is giving to us. And uh, real encouragement today from Alex Cook uh, that when we are believers, God's got our back. He's the one who knows the big picture and uh, we can trust him to lead us in the way forward. Alex Cook, the founder of Wealth With Purpose. It's wealthwithpurpose.com. Alex, thanks so much for updating us again today on 2020. Pleasure, Neil. Thank you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.